0: What's up, Paradigm? We are coming to you right here from the crossroads. I want to shout out everybody that's in Lee Summit. Can we make some noise from the crossroads so that they can hear... Everybody in Lee's Summit, let's go. Oh, man, I'm so excited that we are in week two of Paradigm replicating itself into the heart of Kansas City. And I'm just so, so excited, that everyone that's gathering in Lee Summit tonight so that we can be one ministry in two locations. And with that in mind, I want to invite everybody to grab a copy of God's Word and find your way to Matthew chapter five, Matthew chapter five. If you're new to the Bible, Matthew's in the second half of your Bible, and Matthew is the first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter five. As, as you're turning there, um, I, I don't know if you had the chance to meet an influencer yet. Anybody met an influencer yet? And uh, I don't know if you met these folks. I mean, I, I met an influencer. I'm like, so, how, like, explain. How does this work? Like, you got a big house. You living in, in Hawaii right now. Because you on TikTok, like, like, how do you get paid? And I'm just like, really? And there's a part of me that's a little bit jealous, you know what I'm saying? And because uh, I'm like, you, you make 30-second you make videos, and you make a lot of bread for making these videos, and wow, like, I'm um, just in, and that's what's happening in our culture right now, that people are making, uh, they're making a lot of money being, it's like the age of the, of the social media influencer. Like, that industry has doubled in the last three years. It's a $16 billion industry now. Like kids are growing up, and, and when they're being asked, like, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" When I when I was asked that question, it was like, "I want to be a firefighter." You know, I, I want to be um, I want to be an astronaut. You know, I want to be. These were the types of things that we were wanting to be when we were kids. Uh, but you ask kids today, what, are they, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And they're like, "I want to be a YouTuber. I, I want to get paid just to make videos and be a, an influencer. Uh, an influencer is basically. Y'all know this. I mean, y'all y'all know what an influencer. An is. influencer is basically somebody who. Um, Leverages their platforms, their social media platforms to endorse different products and then they get paid because they're marketing and endorsing these products. An influencer. They're leveraging their platform to advocate for other things and they're trying to help people become followers of themselves and followers of the thing that they're endorsing. Now the reason why I start there tonight is because God is wanting to raise up a generation of influencers. Now I'm not talking about on the gram, I'm not talking about on TikTok or whatever your social media platforms are, I'm talking about God wanting to raise up a generation of influencers that will leverage their platforms, and every one of you have, has a platform, and that you would endorse what God has to say in his words so that you can invite the people that you are doing life with, the people that you have influence with to follow his kingdom, to follow his son Jesus, and we've come in. Here tonight to open up God's word and Jesus is going to give us some things that to live for give us some things to give our life to so that we can be influencers in his kingdom that God wants us to be people that leverage our platforms so that we can invite people to follow him and listen think about all the things that you're living for like think about all the things that you're endorsing like like maybe ask yourself this question what are you about Like, what are the things that you stand for? Like, if I hang out with you and I talk with you just for a few minutes, I can typically find out, like, a few things that you're into. Like, we can talk hunting if you're into hunting. We can talk motorcycles if you're into motorcycles. We can talk Sephora for a minute. I don't know a whole lot about that, but if you're that's your thing, right? And we can figure out what are you about. And listen, many of the things that we brought in here tonight are just temporal things. Like, when you really get on the other side, when you get 100 years down the road and ask, is what I'm about today really going to have an impact in 100 years. And for a lot of us, maybe we're not giving our life over to bad things, but we're just not giving our life over to things that really matter in the end. And God has brought us in here, and he's given us breath in our lungs so that we can study what it means to live life and live it to the fullest. Jesus stepped onto the scene of human history so that you would know God and that you would give your life to following him so that you can make him known and you can make an impact for eternity. And Jesus wants us to be people who influence those around us. He wants us to be people that have an influence that lasts for eternity. If you're taking notes tonight, I've titled this message, How to Become an Influencer. How to Become an Influencer. What we're going to see from God's Word, what Jesus is going to say, he's going to say that those people that are in his kingdom, those people that are following him, they are salt and they are light. And we're going to talk about what that looks like practically Now if you're just now joining us, we are walking verse by verse through the most famous speech ever to be given. That Jesus, he gave this speech, it's been called the Sermon on the Mount and it's the most popular speech in human history and he's talking to a a group of people who I think genuinely wanted to follow God. And and maybe they showed up, I don't know if it was on a Tuesday night, I'm not real sure what night of the week it was, but Jesus, he's on a mountainside, he gets a multitude of people around him, and he begins to teach them, and there were people there in the crowd that were wanting to follow God, and the way that they perceived that they needed to follow God was by being really, really religious. And so in the crowd, you have these people that are like, man, we, we're better than those people because like we actually know a few things about the Bible. Uh, we're we're better, we're closer to God than those people because we've done A, B, and C, and they were trying to follow God, but they had got it twisted a little bit, and so you had the religious crowd that was there, and then you also had the irreligious crowd that was there. You had the people that were like, man, we tried to do the religious thing, but it didn't work out, so we're just going to, you know, we're going we're, we're gonna to try to be good people, and hopefully in the end, we win in the end. It all works out, and they were there wanting to to hear the, words about G, or hear the words from Jesus about what does it mean to follow him. And so Jesus is introducing this new kingdom. <laughs> it's like when you read the introduction to the speech, we talked about it last week, he gives these beatitudes. And a beatitude just simply means a supreme blessing. And so I think every one of us, if, if God was here and he was like, you know, who wants to receive my blessing? I think we're all like, me, I want to receive God's blessing. And so Jesus, he begins to say, blessed are those people. And the first thing that he gives them right out the gate, he says, blessed are those people that are broke spiritually. He says, blessed are you who are poor in spirit. And what Jesus is trying to say is like, if you're religious here or if you're irreligious, the way to get into the kingdom of God, the way to get into heaven, the way to be right with God is to first admit that you desperately need God, that you can't, you can't have a wealth of righteousness and think that you can be right with God. That We said last week that, that you will not need God until you admit that you need God. And Jesus is telling them, if you want to be right with God, it starts with you admitting that you're not right with God. And he begins to tell them that you're blessed when you come to the place that you realize that you are poor in spirit. And he begins to walk them through this, this series of eight blessings. And he just simply says, man, blessed are those that are this, because this is going to take place in their life. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to introduce to them, if you're going to be a part of the Jesus kingdom, if you're going to be a Jesus follower, it's not about your performance. <laughs> it's not about you going out and doing a bunch of lists of things to do, and you are not so good that you don't need Jesus, and you're not so bad that you, you, uh, you, you can't have Jesus. That Jesus is saying that all are welcome. Once you admit that you're poor in spirit. And then it's from that place that he begins to start teaching the people that once you are in a right relationship with God, now this is your heritage, this is your identity. And we pick up in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, and here's what he says. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. If you're taking notes tonight, you're going to write this down. Point number one, you are salt. <laughs> you are salt. Somebody's like, he gets paid to do this? Like, no, like it's real, it's basic, right? We're just reading the Bible and trying to do what it says. We're just looking at the words of Jesus, and then we're going to talk about what it means to us practically in this young adult season that we're in here tonight. And here's the truth I want you to get. You, if you are a Christ follower, you are salt, now, for a, a lot of us, we come in here, like, salt's so common in our, in our culture, right? Like, some of us would even be, if you don't know much about ancient civilization, you would think, like, what's the big deal? Like, you know, it's like, just you spill the salt, you throw it over your shoulder, it's just salt, and it's kind of like, you know, some of us could feel like Jesus is saying, well, yeah, yeah, you guys are just kind of like salt, you know, you're just kind of there. But in this culture, like, this was a, this was a, a sign of, of significance. When Jesus is saying, y'all are the salt of the earth, everyone's like, all right, high five, yes, we are, we're, we're a big deal. Like in the Greek culture, they called salt by this word, theon, which literally means divine. And so they, would, like, they were scratching their heads, how can, we, how can we describe salt? Let's call it divine. Uh, the Romans, they would pay people in salt. They, they believed that salt was only, out, out, uh, only outpaced in value by the sun. You know, they're like, you know, you got the sun, like basic elements in Roman school of that we need to have. You got to have the sun and then salt number two, you know. And this culture, this civilization where Jesus is teaching, they, they would, when they would have heard, you're the salt of the earth, they would be like, Man, that's, that is a sign of value. That's a sign of significance that Jesus is looking at them and he's saying, man, you are called to be something that is valued by the world. Now, now salt back in the day, it was used for a lot of things. It's even used still to this day for It was used to flavor things. It was used to, like in a wound, you would, you would help cleanse the wound with salt. Salt was used in this day and age, by and large, as a preservative. You know, they didn't have refrigerators back in the day. There well, no whirlpools, no Kenmore. There wasn't none of that back in the day, all right? You weren't going to go get a refrigerator side by side or the fancy ones with the ice maker and the TV screen on it. There wasn't none of that back in the day. They would get meat, and they would have to put salt on it in order to preserve it. That salt was necessary to preserve the things that were going to decay naturally. And what Jesus is saying is he's saying, you are the salt of the earth. Now, there's a big presupposition in Jesus' worldview. A presupposition is just I'm assuming that everyone is on the same page with this worldview. But not everyone here tonight would be on the same page with Jesus. See, Jesus has a biblical worldview. And so when he's saying you're the salt of the earth, what he's presupposing is that everyone in his audience, by and large, would agree with him that there's something broke in the world. Jesus, he has a biblical worldview. What that means is that he believes that God created the world. He believed himself like he was there. You know, and he creates the world and then sin enters the world and there's a big catastrophe once the corruption of sin takes place in the world. And so Jesus believes that the earth that he's walking on is corrupted and is decaying. And so he's saying, you're the salt of the earth. He's saying, we need this preservative to spread out throughout the earth because there's something broken in the world today. And I think we know that. I think some of us, we have a hard time admitting that, but it doesn't take long for us to look around and say, man, there's something broke. Like this weekend, I don't know what kind of news you got this weekend, but this weekend my mom, she shot a text to me and my brothers and said, hey, grandpa, he had a fall and he's in the hospital. And then, you know, we're on this text thread, I don't know if you've ever been on these family text threads, but you know, everyone's chiming in and let us know what's going on. Turns out my granddad fell and he broke his hip this weekend. Had to go into emergency surgery. Grandpa's doing good. And we're so grateful for that. But here's what I'm trying to say that the law of nature, the way the world works, is that people get old and they get fragile and gravity pulls them down and they trip and they fall. And that's just a microcosm of what you and I know to be true about the world. That the world's broken. Have you been on your newsfeed lately? Like, like, have you seen the updates on the war in Russia between Russia and Ukraine? H- have you met anybody that's here in the States because they had to leave the Ukraine? Have you met anybody yet? I have. Have you talked to them about what's going on in their hometown because of this catastrophe? Have you seen the, the, the way that the world is decaying? I mean, we're, we can look just right up the hill here and there's a hospital and there's people in there, there's children in a hospital. That's not supposed to be. And the reason why there's children in a hospital is because this world is broken and it's decaying. But what about your world? What about what you brought in here tonight? Many of you, you would, you would, you would know without a shadow of a doubt that there's something that's decaying. Even in my mind or in my heart, there's something that's broken inside of me. And Jesus, he's presupposing that the world is broken. He's presupposing, he's assuming that his audience, when he says, you're the salt of the earth, everyone's looking around going, yeah, we need some salt in this world, man. This, this place is broken. This place is tainted. This place is decaying. And he looks at them and says, you are the salt of the earth. He's calling them to leverage their influence. He's saying, man, I, I need you to preserve the decay that's in the world. But y'all know this to be true. In order for salt, To do its thing, it's got to it's got to get out there. Like it's got to it's got to spread out, and it's got to go to places where decay is happening. I met a guy in our church. His name is Micah, and Micah has a federal contract to trap animals. So he traps animals for a living. It's awesome. And so, like, he goes around, and he catches beavers, and he catches coyotes, and he catches bobcats and foxes. And, like, I was talking to him the other day, he's like, got to run up to the airport, got to catch some animals. I'm like, what is this? You know, like, there should be a reality TV show about this guy, you know? And I'm like, well, what do you do with the animals once you catch them? He's like, well, I... I um, yeah, I preserve their furs. That's <laughs> so what he says, I preserve their furs. i was like, that's fascinating. And so I'm like, can I, can I come hang with you? Like, I'm, I, you know, I'm always interested to learn these sort of things. And so I'd gotten this bobcat, and I needed help preserving it. And so, like, I was like, Micah, can you help me out? So we go over to his house, and he's got, like, the fleshing pole where he, like, gets the fur ready. And, and then there comes a point where you get the fur all ready, and if you're going to preserve the fur, and if you're going to keep it intact you have to just slather that stuff with salt. You know, like we laid this fur out and he just he just salting that thing, man. He getting salt all over the thing. And the reason why he's getting salt all over the thing is because if you don't put salt on the fur, it's gonna decay and it's not gonna last long. And the point I'm trying to make is this, is that if you're gonna be the Christian that God has called you to be if you claim to be one, if you're gonna be in Jesus's kingdom, then the whole goal is that you would go to places that are going to decay and that you would spread yourselves out and that you would prevent the decay that's going to happen in that place in order to preserve the beauty that God intended to be. We, we launched Paradigm in the city. We're down here in the crossroads right here tonight. We're coming live, broadcasting back to Lee Summit, and people have been asking, like, well, wh- why would y'all do that? Because the goal is not that we would come to a Paradigm in one location, and we would just sit here and sing some songs and feel better about ourselves. Ultimately, the goal is that we would spread ourselves out, that we would multiply our influence, even that the goal tonight is not for you to sing some songs and, and hear a message and feel better about you and think that's the end that Jesus has for you you. Jesus wants you to go to your spheres of influence, and he wants you to be salt, and he wants you to be a preservative in the places that are decaying. He looks at these people and says, you're the salt of the earth. Now, I think a lot of times we'll read the Bible, and we'll read it kind of as a, as like this is for us, uh, as an individual first. But again, Jesus, he's looking at a multitude of people. And so like when the Bible, when Jesus is saying, you're the salt of the earth, you you trade the you for y'all. He's looking at a group of people saying, y'all are the salt of the earth. That it's not you never see a grain of salt by itself, really. You always see it in a salt shaker. And he's saying that y'all are the salt of the earth, and now you go and you spread out and you preserve what is decaying. He says, you know, you're, you're like a, you you like a, a salt. I got some Morton salt here. You just, you know, you just you're supposed to spread out, you know. And so like some of y'all when you come in here, you're like, okay, I'm I'm a salt shaker. I mean, mean, I'm 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 salt in a salt shaker, and and I'm supposed to spread out, but what exactly does that mean? I think sometimes we'll complicate Christianity so we can justify why we don't do it. I think sometimes we'll complicate this, and we'll think, well, what does salt really mean, and like, do I, I need to study that more, and in the Greek, what is salt, and historical salt? Listen, let me just break it down for you. Let me give you some simple things. God wants you to get out of the salt shaker, and that may mean on your walk home tonight, you pick up a piece of trash. Don't complicate this. Just make the place that you step a little bit better. He says, get out the salt shaker, and on your, on your, uh, your way home tonight, when you stop off and get something to eat, or when you get into your apartment building, you just you say a kind word to somebody. Like, hey, smiles are free. Kindness is it, it, hey, it's, it's out of style now, but we can bring it back in the church, all right? It, don't complicate this. You, you can literally, you could go home tomorrow and you could go buy some flowers and you could just plant some flowers, just bring some happiness in the world, <laughs> all right, and preserve that which is decaying or, or listen, it can be a lot more complex than that. For some of you, it's, it's that you're going to go into a part of the world and you're going to get spread out and you're going to go fight for justice where racism exists. We have a young adult in our ministry, and one of the things that she's a part of is a, a deal called Unite KC. They're doing a walk for unity this weekend. How awesome is that? Because she said, you know what, I'm not just gonna come into a church and just be all fired up at the salt shaker. I'm gonna get out into places where there's racial unrest and division, and I'm gonna stand for justice, and I'm gonna call people, and I'm gonna influence my circles to be a part of that too. It may mean that you gotta go to a place and get out of the salt shaker so that you can stand for life. When so many people are being marginalized in our society and in the world, we need Christians to go to those places of decay where babies are being marginalized and where people are being trafficked and enslaved, and you can get out of the salt shaker, and you can go prevent the decay where you land. Others of you, it may be running for office. And going into places where there's not a lot of Christian presence and, or maybe that you, you set up a, you become an artist and you begin to create art that, that points to the glory of Jesus Christ in a way that's compelling and excellent. You get out of the salt shaker. You're the salt of the earth. What good is salt if it stays in the salt shaker? You got to get out a little bit and you got to spread into the places and the spheres of influence. You are the salt of the earth. And what that means practically is that you preserve the places that you are. Don't complicate this. Wherever you are, preserve that place. Wherever you land, you begin to preserve that place. Preserve the places where you are. And Jesus, he goes on. He, he just says again in verse 13, says, you are the salt of the earth but if salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Some of your translations say, if salt loses its saltiness, what good is it? He says, if, it, it is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You see the warning here, right? The warning is don't lose your saltiness, Christian. If you're here and you're claiming to be a follower of Jesus, Jesus is looking at you saying, don't lose your saltiness, don't lose your flavor. See, the number one way that salt loses its flavor is through contamination. It's through, it's through adding things into the mix, and it, and it loses its distinctiveness of salt. And if you're a Christian, but you don't act like one, what Jesus is saying is it's worthless. If you have a contaminated Christianity, you are not making a difference where you are. And it's confusing at best, and it's destructive at worst. Is your Christianity, if you claim to be a Christian, Is your Christianity contaminated? Have you lost your saltiness? Some of y'all's Christianity is contaminated because of your sex life. You're in a situation where you know what the Bible teaches about this, but you're choosing to do this, and your saltiness is contaminated. And so, like, you, you hang out with some buddies, and you're trying to tell them about God and about his goodness in your life, and, and they're like, hey, what, what, what about this situation with old girl? Or, or you're telling your girlfriends, "And like, what about this situation with this guy? Or, you're, or you're, you're trying to present yourself as this Christian, but they know what you did, or they know what you're doing. Some of y'all, your contamination is coming from your language. You know, you you have you you cuss. All right. I think that's the easy one to run to. You know, like if you're a Christian but you're dropping the F bomb and it's not forgiveness, it's the other one. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a problem. That's confusing. But I think that there's a Christianity that I subscribed to in a season of my life where my mouth was contaminated. It wasn't by foul language, it was just by sarcasm. It was by telling dirty jokes. And I would, I would tear people down, almost prided myself. I'm like, sarcasm is the love language. And I kind of say that tongue in cheek. But you know, and I and I think there's some fun and there's a there's a place for that, but if all you are is sarcastic with somebody, and then you try to tell them about the love of God, it's confusing. And you're trying to preserve their, their, in, the, you know, their, um, their heart and you're trying to preserve their, their soul by saying, God has a plan for you. God loves you, but you've been tearing them down with sarcasm for the last three months. That's confusing. And so is your mouth contaminated? Are your relationships contaminated? Have you lost your saltiness? Some of y'all, your contamination comes because you don't ever get out salt shaker. I don't know if your grandma ever did this, but my grandma would put oatmeal in the salt shaker. Y'all grandmas ever do that? I don't know if they, know if they did that. In the South, they did that. There's a lot of humidity in the South. And so, you know, well, you got to put oatmeal in the salt shaker because um, if not, the salt will get clumpy. You know, and you try to start like salting something, and you're salting your eggs, and the salt ain't coming out. And so then you got to take the lid off the salt, and you kind of put it in your hand, and you kind of spread it out. And bam, bam, you know, you got to do that sort of thing. And many of you, you're getting clumpy in your Christianity because you won't get out the salt shaker. And you're just gonna come sit, listen, and then leave, but you never go to places that are decaying and you never rise to the identity that Christ has given you. And many of you, you come in here tonight and you're right where I was a few years ago. And what I mean by that is this I knew I was going to heaven, I knew my salvation was secure, but I had lost my saltiness. I was contaminated. I was given into this, given into that, and I had no purpose and no mission in my life. And I remember coming to this point in my life where I'm like, God, I, I know what your word says, and I know that I'm not living according to your word in some areas of my life, and therefore, I'm not making any impact in the spheres of influence that you've given me. I'm not being a spiritual influencer because I've contaminated my saltiness, and so I had to, I had to do what some of you are going to have to do tonight. You, you have to come to the living God and say, God, I've lost my saltiness because I've contaminated my Christianity. There are pollutants in my life. Listen, don't complicate this. Contaminated Christianity is when you are running in the opposite direction of God's best for your life. Sin is looking for for life in dead places. And many of you, maybe that's where you are tonight. And and the way that you decontaminate your Christianity is that you come before a living God and say, God, I, I know that your word is true. I know that you love me. I know that you have a plan for me. Would you forgive me and cleanse me? And the promises of God are true. They're true for you just like they were true for me. And what the Word of God says is when we confess our sins before God, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I needed that cleansing in my life. I was a young adult when this took place. I'm like, man, I'm not making an impact anywhere. I'm going to places that are decaying, and I think I'm expediting the decay. You know what I'm saying? And I know better. And so I had to come to this place that I had been before, and the place was this, God, I know I've done wrong. Would you forgive me of my sin? And God, would you cleanse me from the unrighteousness that is evident in my life? And God is the only one that can make you salty in a divine way. And he's the only one that can decontaminate you when you've become corrupt in your saltiness and lost your flavor. And tonight I'm calling this generation and I'm calling you and I'm calling you to reclaim your saltiness, that you're the salt of the earth, that God wants to spread you out into places and wherever you land, he wants you to preserve the places that you are, that he wants you to prevent the decay that is so evident in this world. This is your identity. This is the heritage of the Christian. This is the kingdom that Jesus is bringing forth. You're the salt of the earth. And then Jesus, he goes on and he gives another familiar image, and he says this to these people in verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. He says that a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Point number two, and very simply, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. You are light. Yeah, Jesus, he said, I want you to be an influence. I want you to leverage your platforms to impact people, to endorse my kingdom so that you can make Jesus followers that will like, share, and subscribe to the teachings of Jesus. Jesus wants you to influence people in your spheres and your circles by being salt and by being light. Jesus, he's establishing his kingdom culture here. He's giving a timeless image of light he says, "You're the light of the world. You're, you're like, uh, y'all, y'all, you know, he's like, you've ever seen a, you've ever seen a city that's on a hill with a bunch of lights. That's that's how you are. He's like, uh, it's like when you when you go home and there's a lamp in the house and, and everybody's wanting to play, you know, dominoes and they want to play cards. We well, got you got to get the lamp out so everybody can so your grandma can see the cards and so you don't cheat. But she's gonna cheat anyway. But you gotta put the lamp on a lampstand like that's how it is. You you don't put the lamp under a basket. You and that's how you are to be." He's giving all these different edges and all these different angles to the simple truth that you're called to be a light in this world. When Jesus says you're the light of the world, what he's saying is that you're called to expose that which is evil in God's eyes. And you're called to expose that which is evil so that you can avoid those things. And you're also called to be light. And what that means is that you revealed the path to following Jesus for yourself and for other people. You're the light of the world. I don't know if you ever been spelunking that's how we say in the country spelunking uh, that just means you get in a cave and you crawl around. All right, I don't know. I don't think I don't know if this is a normal thing, but there's some caves here in the Midwest, and you can do that around here. We did that for the first time when I was in South Texas. We went spelunking. We got in a cave with a flashlight, and we just kind of like crawled around like this. And, um, and I, I was scared the whole times. i was like, "What happens if there's an earthquake? You know, I'm dead. That's what happens. I'm the dumb person that went rock spelunking. You know." And so I've got a flashlight in there, and um, I don't know what you call evil, but in my household. One of the most evil things in my household that creates a big problem in my household, not, they're not big things, but they're evil things, they're spiders. Any, 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 uh, any people scared of spiders? You're just like, scared of spiders. Oh, y'all ain't scared of spiders? Okay. I see little hands like, I think, I, I think I'm scared. <laughs> like, if I had a bunch of spiders out here, you'd be out, right? <laughs> and so I'm in the cave, and I've got my flashlight, and I look up in one of the crevasses, <laughs> and I thought, uh-oh, and I told my wife, I said, hey, just stay, just stay right here. Don't look, good. just stay right here. Because I look up and there was probably a thousand spiders. And they were just shaking. It's like they were all just twerking up there. I'm like, what are y'all doing, you know? And I'm sorry. I, anyway, like they just all shaking. And, and listen, my light exposed something that I would say I would like to avoid. My light exposed a place I don't want to go. My light was shined in a place, and it said, okay, that is a place that is dangerous. That is a place that was evil in this story. That is a place I don't, that's a place I want to avoid. And with the same light, I then shined it down the tunnel so that we could get out of the cave that we were spelunking in. That light is meant to expose that which is evil, but it's also meant to shine in front of people so that you can see the path, so that you can get to the place that God's trying to lead you to. That Jesus is saying, you're the light of the world, man. That your identity, your heritage as a Christian, as a Jesus follower, is that you would so know the truth of God that you can shine the truth of God and expose the evil that's in the world today that you wouldn't be confused about what's right and what's wrong, that you would know what the Bible teaches and you would be able to expose that which is evil, but also you would be able to shine the light of God's wonderful truth in front of people so that they would know the way of Jesus. And it's not one or the other, it's both and, that you are the light of the world. But again, Jesus, he gives us a warning in this, in this verse. He says, you're the light of the world. And in a city that has a bunch of lights, like it, it should be on a hill, and there's no denying that. And he says again, he says that, that nor, when you have a lamp, you don't put a basket on that lamp. I, I brought a flashlight tonight. This is a pretty good one. Y'all see that? Oh, hey. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Some of y'all had flashbacks to Friday night. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like police. Anyway, so. Um you're like a flashlight, all right? And for many of us, if we're called to be the light of the world and to expose things that are not right and then to shine the light down pathways for people to follow. Many of you, you've covered up your light. And the reason why you've covered up your light is because you're afraid of speaking up. You're afraid of of sharing your testimony. You're afraid of calling something evil that the Bible calls evil in a culture that calls it good. Many of you are, are covering up your life because, you, because like when you start standing up and exposing things in our culture, it just gets awkward. You imagine talking to the Apostle Paul. Some of y'all know much about Paul. Some of y'all don't know anything about Paul. Paul was one of the greatest Christians ever to live. And Paul, he died for his faith. He got his head cut off for believing in Jesus and telling people about Jesus. You imagine talking with Paul one day, and he's like, "Man, how 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 were you at shining your light?" And uh, you're like, "Well, you know, <laughs> Paul, wow." <laughs> you know, like, and he's and, and you're like, "I just it was I was it was tough for me, Paul. It was tough." And Paul's like, "Yeah, were they were they persecuting you?" And you're like, "Well, yeah, I mean," and you kind of like have to explain, "Well, it's kind of," and like there was this social media thing, and and then he's like, "What?" like it was, but Paul, it was tough. He's like, We're Were they throwing you to the lion's den? And you're like, no, no, no. They weren't like that. Were they coming for your family? No, like, no, they didn't hate on my family. Then what made it so tough? Tell me. And you're like, well, it's just awkward. You know, it's kind of awkward when you're sharing your testimony. It's just, I think Paul would look at you and go, that's it? You didn't shine your light before men because it was awkward. I think many of you are covering up your light because you're afraid of what people might think. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but I, I have to remind myself of this simple truth. Whose approval am I trying to win? Amen. Paul said if you're trying to win the approval of men, you cannot be a servant of Jesus Christ. That You have to die to this desire to be loved and accepted by all people. Others of us, the reason why we cover up our light is because we're just too busy. You know, we're supposed to to use our light to expose things. That takes courage. But then we're also supposed to use our light to guide people in life, and that takes patience, and it takes margin. That many of you, you would be be quick to call somebody out, but you ain't quick to help somebody out. You want to tell them, oh, you shouldn't be doing that with your girl, you shouldn't be doing that with your guy, But, but then you won't chase that up with let me show you the way and help you. And because you're so busy, you don't have time for ministry. That many of you have come in here, and you're, this is just another thing on your list. And when you hear that you're called to be the light of the world, you're too busy to help people find the path to follow Jesus. And so you may come in here, and you'll know the truth, but you can't help people follow the truth. I was talking with a guy last week, and he got to share how someone can have a relationship with Jesus. And he shared this with a guy. The guy was in need. And the guy didn't only share the, the gospel with him, but he also shared his house with him. And the, the, the Christians that Jesus is wanting to raise up, they are the light of the world. And they are not too timid to call out the, the dark, evil things in society. But they're not too busy to help show people the way either. That you're called to be the light of the world. We're called to shine our light In this dark world that Jesus is saying, this is your heritage, this is your identity. We're called to to be influencers. We're called to be people that leverage our spheres of influence to guide people into walking and following Jesus. He's saying, be influencers for his kingdom. You're the light of the world. Jesus' plan was to empower us with the mission and the vision of the kingdom. And then he goes on, he says this in verse 16. He just simply says, this is what you do with your light. He says, let your light so shine before men. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, I, I don't know if you ever come to spaces like this, and you'll hear messages, and and like like I don't have to break down what salt is. I really don't have to break down what light is. Um, and and we'll leave places like this. We're like, yeah, all right. And we'll get like we'll we'll get shirts even that say like salt and light. You know, like that's what I'm gonna be about. And and you'll be like, you know, I'm just trying to be salty this week. I'm just trying to be light. I'm just I'm just light. You know, like. And then somebody will say, well, what exactly are you doing? And you're like, you know, I'm just shining. Shining what, really, you know? And I don't know if you ever read the Bible and Jesus calls you to be something or calls you to do something, and you're like, okay, but what do you want me to do? <laughs> like, like, what does that mean for me, like, right now? Well, we don't have to wonder what it means practically when Jesus calls us to be the light of the world. Because there's other places in the Bible that give us handles to what that looks like functionally. Let me give you two of them. The first one is this, what does it look like to be light practically? The first one is this, is that you have a good attitude. It says right here in Philippians 2.14, do all things without complaining and disputing. I love this. Don't, don't you hate it when somebody talks in absolutes? Well, the Bible didn't do that by mistake, all right? Like the Bible's saying, "Hey, hey, look at your life and all of the things in your life you should do without complaining and disputing. And here's what it says, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. And so being a light in the world means that you have a good attitude. It, like, if you will simply just adjust the dial on your complaining meter and, and quit whining, all right? Like, in my household, we don't do that. Like, when a kid start whining, I'm like, no, no, no. You know, like, I just, I don't like whining and complaining. And the reason why I don't like it is because when I read the words of God, God doesn't like it. And it's my job to teach my children the heart of the Father who's in heaven. And what the the word of God is teaching us right now is that if you want to be a light into the world, then one of the simplest ways that you bear that likeness of lightness is that you just don't complain. Some of y'all walked in, it's hot. Then we adjusted the thermostat. It's cold. Samuel came in here, it's crowded. Like, I mean, like, this is the air that we breathe, right? We are a complaining generation. We are so entitled. We have so many things at our disposal. So, when things aren't just right, we're going to tell people about it. Like, we are such experts at complaining. And listen, if we're gonna be a church, if we're gonna be Christians, if we're gonna, if we're gonna be Jesus followers, if we're gonna be kingdom influencers, then we've got to be light. And that means that we've got to watch our attitude. And when we get around people and it's getting difficult, we have to be the ones that bring hope to a hopeless situation. Like, like the, what's happened here is Jesus has just said, Blessed are you who are persecuted. Blessed are you when they revile you. Blessed are you when they they speak evil against you for righteousness' sake. And then he rolls into this. He says, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. And so he's linking the way that you respond to difficulty for taking a stand for righteousness and in your faith. He's linking your likeness in the world to being someone that responds to difficulty in a way that is edifying to the glory of God. So one of the ways that we're light into the world is in our attitude. Another way that we're light into the world is in our actions. Uh, Jesus, he's having a conversation with a guy in John chapter 3, a guy named Nicodemus. And here's what it says in John 3.20. He says, all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. So you get there, Jesus saying, all who do evil, they hate light. And they don't want to be around it because they don't want to be exposed. He says, but those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Now, John three twenty and 21 is in the context of one of the most famous Bible verses of all time. Y'all probably heard this verse. Is John three sixteen, And it talks about the love of God. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish, but they would have everlasting life. And then I love John three seventeen. I mean, it goes on to say Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but he came into the world to save the world. I love this. And these are amazing verses. And Jesus is saying that part of his likeness in the world, part of his presence in the world is that so people would know the love of God Almighty. But then he goes on to say just a few sentences later that there are people that are marked by evil that will hate the light. So what does it mean to be light into the world? What does it mean for us to to bear this this kingdom culture into the, the, the culture and the society that we live in today? It's Pride Month. And as I was pulling into the crossroads, I saw Disney's doing a pride celebration performance. And the billboards are all over the city down here. And how are we as Christians to respond to Pride Month? Many of you, maybe you're here and you're a part of the LGBTQ community. Some of you probably have friends or are a part of that community. How do I respond to them? If I'm a Christian, I'm supposed to be salt and light. How, how do I respond to them? And I think sometimes we just kind of avoid this conversation like, oh, my goodness, maybe if I just bury my head in the sand, I won't have to, won't have to take a stand. And listen, here's what we're called to do. We're called to be the light by loving people regardless of their labels. For God so loved the world, that includes everybody. And so we don't demonize a certain group of people. We love the people that God died for, and that's everybody. But we are also called to be light by exposing what the Bible calls sinful. And so we're in this month that is that is celebrating many things that when you read the Bible would say, this is in the evil category. And oftentimes we'll come into a place like this and we'll think that what it means to be a Christian is that you just kind of go along and you keep the peace at all costs, but you're called to be light. And light means that you love people. And light also means that you expose what is evil according to the Bible. I was looking out in our our loft here in the crossroads and we have a, a panorama of the city and I'm looking out and I see this pride celebration advertisement for Disney. And looming largely above the billboards promoting the Pride Month is an apartment building called One Light. And another one called Two Light. And a third one being built called Three Light. And the image I got in my mind is that we are called to be the light of the world that rises above some of the chaos that's happening in our culture that we are called to be the light of the world, that God has called us to take a stand and to shine brightly in the downtowns of the cities, that we are called to stand up and expose what is evil, but we're also called to be the light of love so that we can shine the path so that people can find Jesus. Jesus is calling us to be influencers. Jesus is calling us to leverage our platforms to invite people to follow him. He's building a kingdom culture that is marked by people that say, man, I'm gonna be the salt of the earth. I'm gonna be the light of the world. And again, Jesus, he just says, man, if you hide your light, if you don't, if you don't walk in this identity that you're a city set on a hill, and you're you're missing what it means to be a part of his kingdom. And if you're anything like me, you've missed it from time to time. I'll read passages like this, and I'm like, man, there have been seasons in my life when I knew clearly what it meant to be a Christian, but I didn't live out my mission. I just played it safe. I went towards comfort instead of my conviction. And I wasted influence in different seasons of my life. In some of those seasons, I was wasting influence by doing bad things. And in others of those seasons, I was wasting influence just by not doing any good things. I was just kind of, you know, just trying to be a good guy and not living on mission. And tonight, if that's you, then I want to invite you to do what I had to do. What I had to do is I had to start studying God's word. And what I found in God's word is I found the things that break the heart of God. And I began to look at my own life first. I addressed the things in my own life. And I said, God, there are things in my life that are contaminated. There are things in my life where I've hidden your light in my life with sin, with things that aren't right. And God broke my heart over some things that I was doing. And then I began to look out in my spheres of influence. And I begin to say, God, would you help me to be a man of God And a man of God doesn't just take his little light and go to his little corner and just try to be, you know, be be a good little boy, a good little Christian boy. Godly men, they take a stand and they go push back the darkness that is in society. Because they're broken over the things that breaks the heart of God. And so I had to be broken on the inside. And it wasn't until I was broken on the inside that I was able to shine bright like Jesus has called me to shine. That God had to break my heart for what breaks His. And only until I was truly broken over the decay of this world did I become salty. Only until I was truly broken over the darkness of this world was I willing to shine my light before men. I had to be broken in order to shine. I want you to grab your, your glow stick that you brought on the way in. If you haven't broken this glow stick, go ahead and break it real quick. There in Lee Summit, you were given a glow stick. Go ahead and break it. Y'all know how this works. Just break it, let it start to glow. We're going to kill the lights over there in Lee Summit in your auditorium. We're going we're to turn the lights down here and the crossroads in this auditorium. Go ahead and break that glow stick. Okay? And, and I want this to be a picture, a lasting image in our mind. That there's something on the inside that has to be broken in order for this thing to start glowing. That God has given you This image so that you would know the profound truth that you've got to be broken over the things that break the heart of God. And you'll never be the light of the world until you're broken over the things that break the heart of God. What would it look like if this generation began to leverage their influence? To go to places where they are planted and places where their feet tread and they begin to preserve the decay that's happening in their apartment buildings. They begin to preserve the decay that's happening in their office buildings. What if this was the group of people that left here tonight and we went out and we quit complaining about things that are outside of our control. And we begin to shine bright like stars in a crooked and perverse generation. What if, what if tonight we made a commitment that we're going to be the light of the world by shining our light before men so that they can see the way to follow Jesus. What if we were the generation that began to stand on the truths of God and we begin to expose the evil that is in our society in a way that was winsome? What if we were the generation that quit compromising our distinction and we, became to, and we began to be broken over the things that break the heart of God on the inside and we begin to shy, shine brightly in this dark and depraved world? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. God, thank you for your truth. Thank you that it's so clear. Uh, We don't have to go, well, in the Greek and maybe thought about and I'm not real sure. You're the salt of the earth. Thank you that that's such a timeless cross-cultural image that's relevant to this day. I literally spread salt recently. To prevent the decay of something so that I could preserve its beauty. gotta pray if someone's here and they've they've been contaminated. gotta pray that they would just simply ask God, would you would you reveal clearly the things that are contaminated in my life? And most of us know. <laughs> most of us know the the things that are pinging our conscience. Most of us know. Maybe some of us are still walking in ignorance of, of what is right and what is wrong. And God, I pray that you would, you would just rebuild that. And that tonight we would do business with you. God, I thank you that your word is true, that if we confess our sin, we confess those areas that are contaminated, you do the work of purifying us. It's you. It's you alone. We can't go muster this thing up and figure and sift all of this stuff out of our life. We just come to you, contaminated and all. And we ask that you would do a new work, that you would cleanse us, that you would give us a pure heart, God, so that we can make an impact for your kingdom. God, you call us to be the light of the world, to shine our light before men, to be the light of the world in our attitude and in our actions. And God, I pray where we've hidden that light for fear of being rejected. Gotta pray where we've hidden that light because we're just so busy we don't have time to to, to stand for the kingdom of God. We're trying to build our own kingdoms. Gotta pray that we would repent. We would pull the we would pull the basket off of our light, so to speak. We wouldn't be embarrassed of the city that's supposed to be set on a hill, but our collective lights would shine together, and we would be a bright, shining. Somebody here tonight that doesn't know you, I pray that they would simply examine the claims